All right, guys. Well, welcome. Welcome to our church. It's a joy to be here. Uh, Easter Sunday, uh, it doesn't get much better. I like Easter better than Christmas uh, because it takes us not just to the, the cradle, but to the grave of Christ and his resurrection. And we have so much to celebrate because of what Christ has done. If you're new and visiting, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm going to read from John chapter 20 to set the scene for a short message I have today. And then after our sermon, we're going to take a five-minute break. and We're going to open up the floor, and then we're going to be having four of our friends get baptized today. Amy Hennessy, Christine, and Marsha, and Joven. So it's going to be a great joy afterwards. But now I want to deliver a message to encourage us this morning because Christ has risen. So open your Bibles, if you've got one, to John chapter 20. If you don't have one, it will be on the screen. Or if you'd like to hold a physical Bible, put your hand up and Dave at the back will get a Bible for you. Um, if you're using an online copy, uh, we use the ESV translation if you're trying to follow along. John chapter 20. This is the Word of God. Now... On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the, tomb, uh, the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love that little bragging moment there. <laughs> and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord. They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. 
Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Would you join me? In prayer. Our Father in heaven, may you bless the reading and the preaching of your holy word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we think of Easter and Easter Sunday, usually the first word that comes to mind for me and my family is hope. You think Easter, I think hope. And that is glorious and true. But here, the first words uttered by Jesus to his disciples in that locked room was not hope, but peace. Jesus repeated twice to these disciples, peace be with you, peace be with you. You see, the disciples had been with Jesus on the night when he was betrayed. They'd taken the Lord's Supper together for the first time. They went in to the garden. In the darkness, Jesus went alone to pray in cries of agony before the Lord. Suddenly, Judas, one of their company, went with them and betrayed Jesus to a Roman guard. Jesus was arrested. The disciples fled. He was put on trial before the Jews in a late night illegal trial and they accused him of blasphemy. In the meantime, Peter, the great apostle, denied Jesus three times. Day breaks, they bring him before Pilate. Pilate sees no guilt in him, but in fear of the crowd, condemns him to be crucified. Jesus is beaten, he's mocked, he's scorned, a crown of thorns is placed on his head and he's led up outside of the city to be nailed onto a wooden cross, to be pinned there as a curse so that the curse of God would fall upon him. For these disciples who saw it, they would have seen the most horrific sight, not just physically, but theologically, to see their leader cursed and hanging on a tree to breathe his last and cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then his limp body is taken from the cross and in haste, delicately wrapped in linen cloths and burial anointments and put on him, put into a tomb and a stone has rolled over the grave. And they think it's all over. But even after Mary goes to the tomb and Peter and John go to the tomb and they see the tomb is empty. They still don't really understand what is going on. They're still so mixed with different emotions and fears. They're still in a locked room, even though Jesus three times had predicted that he would rise from the dead. They're in a locked room. And then suddenly, the risen, 
Lord Jesus Christ appears in their midst and declares, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I think peace is something that we desperately long for. Something that I long for in my life. Not just world peace, but peace that pervades our personal life. Peace that pervades our family, our marriages, our friendship circles. Between races and cultures. But not only peace out there, but that peace within. Peace to calm the anxieties and the fears and the weight that seems to weigh upon us so heavily in 2023. So many of us struggle with anxieties and fears and we lack peace. And the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ stands in our midst through his word and spirit today and declares to you and I, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now these are nice words, calming words, but what does it all mean? Today in this message, I want to unpack those words. Peace be with you and show you how this relates to our lives in three different ways on Resurrection Sunday. And my hope, as we meditate on these words, that we would know and experience this peace in the depth of our being. Firstly, point number one, it means peace between us and God. It means there is peace now between us and God. Look at verse 19 again. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the Sunday, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And then look at verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Peace is possible because of what his hands and his sides represent. He showed them his hands and his side because in his hands and on his side, he bears the marks of his crucifixion. He shows them the wounds where the nails were driven in. He shows them the scar where the spear was thrust into his body. And he is saying, peace be with you because I am the one who died for you. I am the one who was pierced for your transgressions. My blood was shed so that your sins can be forgiven. Undoubtedly showing his pierced hands and pierced side. He's referring back to Isaiah 53.5, where the prophet said 600 years prior, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us 
peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. First and foremost, when Jesus declares peace on Resurrection Sunday, he's declaring peace is possible between us and God because of what he did three days prior on that cross of Calvary. Peace implies that there was once not peace. The Bible teaches us, and we must be reminded, that in our natural state there is hostility between us and God. There was war, there was enmity, there was a breakdown. Between us and God, our countless sins, your countless sins, my countless sins, have made us separate from Him. And do not be mistaken, there is no natural peace between humanity and God. We are born enemies of God. That's the testimony of Jesus. That's the testimony of Scripture. And that is why Good Friday happened. Because there was no peace. And so God sent forth His Son into the world to die upon that cross and pour out all of His wrath upon Jesus All of the hostility that we deserved goes on to Jesus so that there is no longer any hostility between us and God for those who've put their faith in Christ. We indeed have peace with God through Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever experienced some kind of relational fight, whether in your marriage or with your parents or siblings, a friend or a colleague. That's a horrible, at least for me, I'm such a peacemaker. I can't handle it. I want to resolve it. I feel sick in my stomach when there's not peace. And so it should be between us and God. If you are not in peace with God, you ought to feel sick in your stomach. There ought to be a sense of, ah, I need to fix this. Indeed, if you feel that State. That's because God, the Holy Spirit, is working upon you even now. This sense that you need to fix this between you and God. But now, the good news, friends, and if you have put your faith in God, Jesus stands in our midst, holds out his nail-pierced hands, shows his spear-struck side, and proclaims, Peace be with you. There is now no longer any hostility between us and God because of what Christ did on the cross. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 and 8 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, that is declared righteous by putting our faith in Jesus, what's the result? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us us. This is the most important thing we can say about Resurrection Sunday, that the risen Lord Jesus brings peace to those who are far from God. If you are not yet a Christian this morning, if you are not yet sure that you have peace with God, then Jesus offers peace to you today. He offers free and full pardon for all of your sins if you would come to him. If you come to him, and accept him and receive him, you will have peace with God today and forever. So come. 
And if you have already put your faith in Jesus and you've repented of your sins and you trust in him, then Jesus stands in our midst today and repeats again to you, you have peace with God. There is no longer any hostility. God has no anger towards you. God has no wrath for you. He has poured it upon the Son. And you have peace with God. And he wants you to rejoice in that, in the depth of your being. And that's why verse 20, the disciples, although they, I don't think they really understood at this point, but their natural instinctive response was they were glad when they saw the Lord. And so are we, you can tell in our singing this morning, we are glad because we have peace with God. So that's the first thing, that when Jesus says, peace be with you, he's declaring peace between us and God. Secondly, he's declaring that there is peace between us and ourselves. Peace between us and ourselves. You see, in this room, in the, with the disciples stands a group of men who all promise to stand with Jesus, no matter what. And they all failed. They all fled. They all denied him. And here they are, afraid, locked in a room. And what does Jesus do? He comes to them. He goes to them. They're far away, they've rebelled, they've rejected, they're in fear, they're probably feeling guilty, they're probably feeling shame. Could you imagine the shame they would have felt for denying their Lord? And he comes to them. He doesn't wait for them to figure it out, he goes to them. And what does he say? He says, peace be with you. He soothes their consciences. He wants them to know and feel that he loves them. He wants them to know that he's not angry with them, that he's not casting them off, that he's not done with them, but instead he's calling them back to himself. He's restoring them. They were likely to beat themselves up, count themselves unworthy, count themselves down and out. And so Jesus comes to them and declares peace. And perhaps that's you too. Perhaps you're far more aware this morning of what you've done wrong against God than the peace you have with God. Perhaps in the front of your mind is the heavy weight of your sins against God and against others. Perhaps the lies that you've told sit heavy in your conscience. The cheating in business or in work or in tax or in grades linger in the back of your mind. Perhaps there's marital unfaithfulness or a gambling problem. Or maybe you're just addicted to gossip and slander and you can't help but bring others down when their backs are turned. Maybe you're full of rage or prone to drunkenness or caught in the grip of sexual immorality. Enter the risen Lord Jesus, nail-pierced hands, wounded side, and he declares, peace be with you. He declares that to soothe our consciences. A peace that goes right into the depth of our heart. To know I'm right with God. 
He wants them to know that they are back in fellowship and that they are in fellowship with God, that their sins and their, their failure doesn't cast them out forever. And it's not just a peace which soothes our consciences. Because we can tell ourselves all manner of things, excuses for why we do things or it's actually going to be okay. It doesn't just soothe our consciences, it cleanses them. That is the good news of Good Friday. The blood of Jesus was spilt to not just soothe your conscience, but to cleanse it and actually wash it white as snow. That's why we love that hymn, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 says, How much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You can have peace within yourself not through self-esteem, not through positive affirmations, but through knowing that your conscience is actually cleansed before God. The sin doesn't stick. The failures, though they're real and have consequences, will not count against you forever and ever. They are buried in that grave. And the risen Lord Jesus declares to you, peace be with you. John Piper has said, peace with yourself doesn't mean that you start seeing past sins as desirable. Peace doesn't mean that past sins cease to be painful. It means they cease to be paralyzing. The pain may not be taken away immediately, but the penalty is taken away immediately through Christ. And it makes it possible to heal and to move on with the hope-filled life while you do. And the result? When you know this peace in the depth of your being, this is the result. Later in Hebrews, the writer says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The result of knowing you have peace with God is you can have peace within yourself and therefore you can boldly approach the throne of God and have full friendship with him. And you don't have to be like, oh, I'm not a very good Christian. I don't have, like, I can't be best friends with you. Like the really holy people can't. No, 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 no. Because your conscience is clean, you can have full access to the Father today in fullness of joy. That's what the resurrected Lord Jesus offers to those who are in him. And so he says, peace be with you. And finally, finally, there's peace between us and God. There's peace between us and ourself. And there's peace between us and our future. There's peace between us and our future. You see, the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, the risen King, has come to bring peace to the earth ultimately. This is what he was born to do. At Christmas, we love to read this prophecy. In the resurrection... It begins. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, 
there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is a promise. The resurrection began the great reversal where peace is progressively marching forward throughout history, waiting for the day when Jesus will return and bring it in full. And the way peace marches through history and through today and into the future is through what Jesus said to his disciples next. Verse 21 and 22. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus plan for their future and ours was for his disciples to multiply across the earth, proclaiming peace from person to person, family to family, generation to generation, culture to culture, to troubled people like you and I. And then in the end, he will come back and establish his kingdom in full and there will be perfect peace. So we can have peace for our future because Jesus in seed form here and his resurrection got started the great reversal. And we're caught up in it now, aren't we? Look at us 2,000 years later sitting in North Parramatta, singing songs of the resurrected king. Peace with God, peace with one another, multi-generational, multi-ethnicity, multi-socioeconomic status. This room is proof that the resurrected Lord Jesus is bringing peace to the ends of the earth. And he did not leave his disciples to do it alone. But instead, he breathed on them and gave them his Holy Spirit so that they could walk into that future. So you can walk into your future knowing you don't do it Alone. Yes, the Lord has ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father, but his presence is here amongst us and in us through his Holy Spirit. And so, whatever trouble may still linger here in this earth, you are not alone. But the Prince of Peace is with you. Not just with the holy people, not just with the super righteous people, not just with the church as a whole, but with you individually this morning if you are in Christ. The peace of Christ reigns in you through the Holy Spirit. What does this look like practically? Well, there's a great story of a missionary, John Patton, who went to Vanuatu, I've shared previously. This is how the peace for our future can invade even the most dire of circumstances. He was once surrounded by the very people he was trying to preach the gospel to. They had spears and machetes and were trying to kill him. And he's in the middle. They're all around him, baying for his blood. And then he was overwhelmed with the reality of peace. And this is what he says in his autobiography, because he lived to tell the tale. My heart rose up to the Lord Jesus. I saw him watching all the scene. My peace came back to me like a wave from God. I realized that I was immortal till my master's work 
was done with me. See, he could have peace in his moment and for his future because Jesus was with him. And we cannot die until we have done all that the Lord has for us to do. Brothers and sisters, today you are immortal while you still have work yet to do. And so you can step forward into your future with peace, knowing that all of his plans are laid out for you. And nothing, not even a spear of a tribesman in Vanuatu can go against that plan. And so you can experience peace today, no matter what you are facing. So friends, the risen Lord Jesus stands in our midst through his word and his spirit today. And he declares to you and I this glorious sermon. Peace be with you. Because he rose, you can have peace between you and God. Because he's risen, you can have peace between you and yourself. And because he is resurrected, you can have peace between yourself and your future no matter what will come. That is the good news of Resurrection Sunday. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to stand and respond in song. Lord, I pray and ask that right now, through your Holy Spirit, you would communicate to our hearts to know and experience the peace that you proclaimed 2,000 years ago. We bring before you our troubles, our anxieties, our fears, our pain, our brokenness, our hopes, our dreams, our joys. We bring it all and we lay it before you and ask that you would give us peace right now. And Lord, I pray and I plead that if there's anyone here today that is an enemy of you, that has your wrath still upon them, that is in hostility between you, uh, between themselves and you. Would you convict them right now, O oh Lord, that they need to come to you and plea for peace? Lord, would you convict them of their sin and bring them into faith this very moment we plead? We love you, our risen Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen.